Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.net. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Corner 3, episode 30. I am one of your hosts, Alex Derrickson, joined alongside, as always, by the man with all the hats, Tim Daniel. Tim, how are you feeling today? A lot better than I was this morning, man. A lot better That's than good. I was this morning. It's good. You're. I know you had some. You had some sneezing. You still yeah. sneezing? Um, the sneeze on is still in effect. Um, would have been a lot better if I had at least had gone to the to the to the land yesterday, but didn't get to do that either. Ah, uh, yeah. You were. Yeah, you were going to go to Cleveland. Did the uh, did the did the storm happen to happen to roll through? Yeah, just a just a foot of snow. No big deal. Ah, oh, no, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Speaking of a foot of snow, the man with the twelve inch. We won't go there. Sean Mackey, how are you doing? <laughs> good how are you i'm good i'm good i'm excited good. yeah yeah 30 episodes so, right episode 30 and if this is your first episode you probably stopped when i introduced sean but if you kept listening thank you this show is a weekly nba discussion show where three people who live in a non-nba market get together because we're the only couple of dorks we know that have this similar thing in interest that's so, so true i know right Post every Friday on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Check us out at thecorner3.net. You can go through. Uh, I know, Tim, you just posted the 1984 draft recap with you and Ben. Yeah, man. So weekly episode uh, every Wednesday morning we're going to have come up called Here Come the Young Guns where we're going to break down some NBA drafts. Uh, we just did the 1984 draft. We did discuss that. And uh, next week will be the 96 draft. So be sure to check out the whole episode because at the end we actually do do a, a mock draft of the lottery. So... That was a lot of fun, especially with that 96 draft. Excellent. Good work. Thank Excited you. to see all the content, all the, all the posts, all the audio that's available, as I said, on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play. So let's get into the first topic. The Lakers spent a lot of money on Timofey Mozgov and Luol Deng. Uh, some four-year contracts that their previous owners said was going to be a six-year evaluation plan. Uh, are being healthily benched for the rest of the season in favor to, quote, evaluate their young talent. Sean, what a fancy way to say they're tanking. How are you feeling about this? <laughs> well, did, did you expect anything more from this season from the Lakers? No, no. No, but no they, they got to tank. The they got to tank. You know, yeah, I, well, okay. They got to make sure they get that pick in the three spot. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Otherwise, they, they lose it. Yeah, they don't. They do not want to lose that. There's some. Uh, the problem is there's a lot of good point guards this year, and they already have a pretty decent point guard who's kind of carving a niche out for himself. So that's going to be kind of an interesting situation if uh, they tank and say get the the one through three pick. I'm I'm kind of curious to see what the hell they're going to do. So what happens if they end up at number four and they still go through all this? Pick goes to Philly. Yeah. Uh, good for Philly, man, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, can you think about, like, the... I mean, barring barring injuries, which which have happened very often with Philadelphia 76ers as of late, um, I mean, they have a team that is going to have both Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and now we got a new stud who people weren't talking about at the beginning of the season... But now they have Dario Saric, and he has been playing absolutely out of his mind lately. Have you, have you had a chance to watch him play yet, Alex? I haven't. I, I've heard such great things, mainly from you. 
<laughs> he is uh he's an interesting guy. He uh, he dribbles the ball uh just about up to his uh shoulders yep, and I li- uh, I, that's good. I like that. Makes it harder to steal. <laughs> <laughs> so he he del- <laughs> he dribbles the ball really high. He's uh he's kind of slow, but he's so slow and 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 weird that people can't really guard him. Like I can't really explain his game, and you just have to kind of go and and watch the film, man. He's uh he's really grabbing a lot of boards and hitting a lot of threes, and he's making Philly look really good, even though they're really really bad. <laughs> By playing weird and slow. By playing weird, I I can't even explain it. He's he's a very interesting prospect, but he's uh he's gonna be really something. So I'm I'm. I'm super excited for them, and like you said, if they get if they get this Lakers pick, man, they're going to be just rolling in, in assets. Now, Tim, from a different perspective, the Lakers this off season, this past off season, went from the 30th best starting center in the NBA and upgraded to the 29th best center in the NBA in Timofey Mozgov, but gave him <laughs> a lot of money. From a financial perspective, what do you take from LA on this and their deal with Dang and Mozgov? Well, first off, let's just call this tanking process what it is. It's fall for ball. It's, that's 100% what it is. If the Lakers have the number one pick in the draft, it will not be Markel Fultz. It'll be Lonzo Ball. That is where he'll be. Um, and I think that's something that that family really wants, along with their billion-dollar shoe contract. Talk about financial. I haven't heard. I, what? He, Lonzo Ball wants to play for L.A.? Yeah, like, like well, correction. LA. I, I haven't. I was going to say correction. You're right. LeVar Ball. Right. LeVar Ball. Living vicariously through. His 2.2 points a game in college that could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. Mm. Uh, but Not just beat, but kill. Right, kill. You're right. I'm sorry. So, and you got to remember, um, going back to this, it felt like this was kind of like an insurance plan because we knew the Lakers were linked to try to get Hassan Whiteside. And obviously that didn't happen as he stayed in Miami. Um, DeAndre signed that long-term deal with the Clippers, but I guarantee if he hit the market, the Lakers would go after him. So... I think that Mozgov was more or less like, shit, we need a big man because we didn't get the world we really wanted. So let's just make sure we at least have this one. And I thought they had good plans for Mozgov. It seemed like they were really going to try to run that, um, that like, you know, kind of him running the paint, like strictly like the paint of that offense with uh, with Russell and Clarkson and his crew. But obviously it didn't pan out. Um, and then they have, but here's the real question, guys. Why are they doing this now? Why isn't Zubak... Still in the lineup yesterday or the week before that because we all need some more Zubak in our life. Uh, could it? I mean, maybe from from that just that time of the season where it's just like okay, like we can start now and no one will get suspicious. <laughs> I'm not sure. Uh, maybe this. Yeah, I mean, maybe they got reminded that they could lose the pick. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's. The the LA front office has been nothing if not interesting in the last you know couple months. Yeah, and but... I think um, I think Palinka and Magic Johnson have a plan, and I think that that's gonna you know they will excel at that plan because they are the Lakers. But in reference to Dang, like no disrespect because you know we all love Lou Wall and all the great things he's done in this league, specifically for our beloved home, home, uh, Chicago Bulls team. But it was even time... though they tried to kill him, right? Yes. Almost succeeded. (laughs) (laughs) They almost got away with it. (laughs) And then... Hashtag, Fred cleared him. (laughs) And then when they realized they couldn't, they sent him to Cleveland. But it was time to really see what Brandon Egram can do with extra minutes because he was only playing about 25, 26 off the bench. Now you can start him. Get him, like, comfortable there. You you can see if he is your three of the future 
or maybe even your two if you got to drop to that third pick and ball's gone. So I, I, I'm okay with it on that take. It sucks for those guys, but, you know, um, I understand the, re- the reasoning what the Lakers are trying to do. So who's going to be the first coach or GM to publicly just be just come out and go, yes, we're tanking. That's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> and then what is the league's reaction to that? Um, probably have to do what they did the first time. Remember when the Spurs admitted they were tanking? And they were like, nope, you guys aren't allowed to do that. That's not going to go that way. Yeah, but it still goes that way sometimes. Oh, yeah. I think that's yeah. kind of proof that the NBA needs a new draft strategy. Yeah, that probably wouldn't hurt. I'm I don't. Just, I don't. I, know don't what... I don't think the. I don't think the. I don't think tanking necessarily guarantees you anything these no. days. Um, I mean, I some teams. The team that that you know, there was an article that I read recently on the Ringer that was kind of an oral history behind the the Boston Celtics. You know, uh, putting the big three together and everything like that, and how they they quietly didn't say they were tanking, but they totally were tanking. And Doc Rivers will still not admit to this day that they tanked the year before. Um, and um, you know, they they said they made a conscious decision to play young guys for the whole season, and it was like, you know, that doesn't really seem like not tanking. But uh, you know, it, teams will never admit that. However, one team admitted something which is going to lead us into the next topic here. Remember, I think it was 2011, the playoffs, where uh, Memphis lost a handful of games in a row so they could play San Antonio? Yeah. Because they matched up better? I I vaguely remember that, yeah. Right. They got a lot of shit for that. But we're starting to kind of see more and more teams not caring really so much about how the season's ending as much more as they're taking the NFL approach you know, of keeping the players healthy, making sure they're ready for the playoffs, not wanting to, you know, risk the season for anything towards games that aren't necessarily matter as much once you've clinched your spot. Cleveland, Boston, Washington, getting a little tight out there. Golden State, San Antonio are starting to kind of exchange the one seat a little as, as they're all kind of resting players as well. Do you like the strategy this close to the end of the season, the teams starting to kind of rest to protect their players because at the end of the day, the end game is you want to play your best basketball in the playoffs. No. You don't like it? No. Extrapolate. Come on. I get it. I understand that you want LeBron James as perfect as 100% as possible for the playoffs. Get it. Understand it. You know, no big deal to me. But I'm in the belief of one, like, I think the fans have to matter at some point in this. I, I get it. You know, if you don't want, you know, there could be games where you don't want that guy to play a whole lot. That's fine. But if instead of sitting the guy, you know, like that Spurs Warriors game we had last Saturday, that was a primetime ESPN game. And to tell you about how big that was, Jonathan Simmons started for the Spurs in that game. And I think um, David West was starting for the Warriors in that game, among LeVexu. But. I, I you know I'm I'm in the belie- I'm the one of the believers that if you don't want him to play a whole lot that's fine and like with those games you want to calm down but let him play nine ten minutes let the fans at least get their moment of like could you imagine if you drove to Cleveland for a game and they were like hey guess what LeBron's not playing tonight 
you'd be a little pissed because that's the whole reason you're driving up there. That's true. I mean, I, th- I know we've discussed this before too at, at length at points, but at what point though do you know you have to cater to the fans, like you said, and, and things like that? Uh, do would you so like Sean? I know you're more of a proponent of maybe resting them on road games. Um, actually, no. I'm I'm more of a proponent of of yeah. I I, I would rather see them rested at home, honestly, because okay. the, the home fans always get to see sam- someone like LeBron. Say LeBron goes to visit, you know, uh, the Heat, you know, he visits them four times a year, or someone less than that, perhaps the Spurs, maybe they visit them twice a year. You know, that's a big matchup. I mean, I'm not saying they would ever do that, because that, that particular matchup is an incredible one, so that's probably not going to happen, but... You know, say, you know, he goes out to play Utah and he doesn't play, you know, I mean, that sucks for the people of Utah who wanted to see LeBron James, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things you kind of have to handle delicately because you don't want to get fined. Um, but I, I almost wish there was, if, if you were going to, for some of the big names, I feel like it would almost be best to schedule like three weeks in advance and say, look, we're going to rest LeBron on, you know, the 25th of January. Um, he's got a scheduled rest day. He's not playing, you know, but then that kills ticket sales. But then the people who do buy tickets who didn't know he wasn't playing are duped. So, I mean, it's a lot of problems with everything right there. Yeah. And you see major league baseball takes that approach too. like, you'll have like, you know, in our case, exactly, especially, um, you know, we have Joey Votto, who gets a lot of shit, but the guy plays 160 games a year. But the good thing is those two games that he's not playing, you know what two games he's not playing. So, yeah, Sean, I actually agree with you on that point. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things that we're we're going to be talking about forever. I don't know if it's it's ever going to be something that's solved. I mean, it's, it's funny because I, you know, I don't want to sound like that guy, but I am going to sound like that guy that I, I still, I still feel, I feel like, like 20 years ago, I feel like players weren't getting hurt as much. Does that seem right to you? I mean, like the big players, I feel like there's just more like star players going down more often, you know, over the like the last 10 years. It's it's weird. I don't I don't get it because we've got we've made so much so many, you know, medical advancements and, you know, proper training and everything and I, like, you know, people I feel just go like Kevin Durant's out right now. You know, what do you do, you know? I think some of it's, you know, the change of the game, too. And as as sports kind of crack down on performance-enhancing drugs and those become less of an issue, I think you'll see it fluctuate. I mean, you see it kind of across the, across the board in all sports. A lot of the people are getting more injured now, and I think it's a lot of it's because they are, you know, cracking down on more in the, the extra substances and everything. But... In terms of of resting players to gain a more strategic edge in the playoffs, do you think we'll see that more, or do you think that's kind of something that's still going on, you know, subtly? Uh, how are you guys feeling about the uh, the playoff race right now and the ones and two seeds that are going on in the East and the West? I don't think it matters, man. Um, I don't think that Golden State playing between the one or two is really going to dictate if they make the finals or not. Um, no, no, no. I, I just, I was thinking. Oh, more just in the race in and of itself. Like, yeah, just the race oh, in and of itself. And I then, gotcha. like, do you see, do you see other teams maybe going? Oh, we've got a better matchup. Like, if these guys end up at the two, 
we could probably drop down to the to the seven and match up pretty well against them. You know, I I think our other teams kind of watching this race tightly too. Uh, I think one the first thing is um, it's nice that it's not just the two teams we expected to be competing for high spots. You know, we although we all still expect the finals to be uh, Golden State and Cleveland, unless you're Sean, where you have that San Antonio belief, which very well could happen. It's very possible. I mean, I, I, I might buy what he's selling there. I, I know. I'm starting to feel that as, way, too. As, as, especially with... I mean, enough years have gone by that that's that's big. It's it's like the Giants with the World Series, I think. Yeah. I think it might just be like due time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, um, but it's nice to see, like, it's nice to see the Wizards, because where home court advantage may not matter for the Cavaliers, it totally matters for a team like the Wizards. Their fans sure. are going to love the idea if they have the one seed, and they are getting all their games <clears> at the Horizon <throat> Center in D.C. Like, that's going to be a huge thing for them. Um, so, that's, you know, that's it's a big deal for them. Those San Antonio and Golden States, maybe not, but I think it would totally matter a lot for Houston if those fans got to see the Rockets at the one seed and they could go to the Toyota Center. They expect to have home court for every series that they'll be in. So, yeah, I think in that case it's cool. It's exciting. Um, you know, the playoffs are such a crapshoot, and we've seen that a lot in the past. Um, who really expected last year, even though Toronto was the two seed, to make the Eastern Conference Finals? I don't think any of the three of us did, and you know that they, that made it exciting and fun. And they, I was convinced there for a bit they might be able to beat Cleveland when they won those two games in Toronto. So uh, it makes it exciting. It makes it more fun because uh, we expected so much this year to be Boston and Cleveland in the East, and then San Antonio and Golden State, and no one else in the West. And we are seeing these other teams really get their foot in the door to where they can get that competition. So I dig it. I'm excited for it. Um, as far as the process of you know. There, I think in that case too, as far as like say Golden, say Golden State gets to two, I think whoever that seven or eight seed is is just going to be happy to get there. And I don't know if that's really going to dictate things. Like I think Memphis is just going to be excited they're going to be able to play Golden State in the playoffs because they made it. I don't know if they're going to sit down Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol to make sure they get that seven seed. But right now, if things go the way they are, if I have it right, the seven seed is Oklahoma City, and if the two seed was Golden State. Ooh, four games of that because that's all I'd go. <laughs> <laughs> right now we've got uh, we've got Houston and Oklahoma City, so the the triple double machines. That's gonna be that's gonna be a fun ass series if that happens. I know if it holds up. I, Memphis I, is Memphis is right behind them, so I I would I would really really enjoy a Rockets Thunder series. First round, I think that would be a lot of fun. I 100% agree with that. So, speaking of the playoffs, spoke a lot about the waiver wire. Andrew Bogut went down. I made a comment a few weeks ago. Tim Tim mentioned the Cavs may have interest in Larry Sanders. I called bullshit the Cavs signed Larry Sanders. So, to replace Andrew Bogut, Tim... How do you feel about this prognosticator of of alleged bullshit? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I actually thought they'd get Sellinger. I thought Jared Sellinger would for sure be their guy. Big-bodied player they can throw in there. He's played in the last two years on like Sanders. But I'm excited to see Larry Sanders back in the league. And he got a minute last night. Granted, the Cavs were up 35, so... Because they just went in there to get the check in to get the standing ovation. And immediately today, they sent him to Canton. 
Do you guys feed underneath them? I think David Griffin has a great strategy with Larry Sanders, if you listen to what he says. He doesn't have expectations for him this season. Uh, he just wants him to go down to Canton, get his feet underneath him. They call him up, he'll be on the bench for the playoffs. Probably do what Mozgov did last year. He might play five or six minutes to back up double T when they need him. And, I mean, if you remember, Mozgov barely played in the finals against Golden State. So, I, I like it, man. I think that it's cool to give Larry Sanders a shot because he was a very, you know, he was doing big things. And I think the best part about it is, if you remember, the reason he walked away, like, was a big thing, was he didn't really like all the expectations that he had on him to really be the next big man in Milwaukee. Well, Griff has been very honest and lenient and, you know, perfectly, has told him as it is that we don't have expectations for you, man. We want you to be a part of our rotation, and we want you to be here next year, too, and that's why they signed with the option for next season. So if he gets back to being even 70% of the Larry Sanders we saw for that before he left, that's going to be a really, really nice backup for Tristan Thompson. And he's spending some time in Canton in the D-League. So, Sean, how do you feel about a team properly using the D-League? I... I love it. I think it's a. Isn't that nice? It, yeah. it is. That's. <laughs> it almost makes few... you interested. I know. I know. There's. I think. I feel like there's a few players on a few teams could probably. Uh, probably, <coughs> Cameron Payne. Um, probably, you know, probably help. You all right? You guys sound like you had a Cameron Payne <coughs> in your throat. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that was. Um, oh, bizarre. Yeah, like Tim said, David Griffin had, has a great plan with him, and they've got him on a player option as well. And uh, defensively, I mean, he's probably going to be decent after he plays a few games. I think he's going to – I mean, that's what he specialized in before anyway. Um, he's going to be great at backing him up. So it's if you're if you're a Cleveland fan, you should be very excited that you, you've got a player like that. I mean, that's uh, – and, you know, strangely – uh, Tim, you you mentioned um, Sullinger. Is he still a uh, is he he's still a free agent? Yeah, after the deal. So when Toronto traded him to Phoenix, they cut uh, Phoenix cut him immediately. So I okay. you know we had that weird stretch where him and Terrence Jones were both were both out there, and we're getting pretty yeah. close to being play, play like the playoff eligibility. So I don't yeah. know if Sullinger's going to be on a team or not in time. I, I, there are a few teams I think he would, you know, <coughs> Golden State, um, I think he would just... Hey, you're right, you sound like you had a little bit of Golden State stuck in your throat. <laughs> like, the, I, I totally forgot that he was even, he was even waived, so uh, he's kind of an interesting name now that you've got me kind of excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> someone needs to pick him up, he's, he's not a bad player by any means, and he was, uh, he was great last season for yeah. uh, you know for the Celtics and everything so I was kind of surprised they they let him leave so um yeah I think I think the Cavs picked up a good guy and Larry Sanders I think someone needs to pick up Sollinger uh sending him down to the D League is absolutely the right move right now right before uh the playoffs start and and going back to the D League how would you guys feel if the NBA adapted more of a uh, collapsed Major League Baseball timeline, utilizing the D-League as more of a minor league system to get the younger players adapted to the NBA lifestyle. Well, there was that one rumor for a bit where they were going to get around the one-and-done rule by letting guys sign into the D-League, and I honestly have no issue with that. Um, don't get me wrong, I enjoy college basketball much as an expert, and I'm excited it's tourney time, but, you know, can you... Uh, those guys that go to college and know they're going to leave... 
They don't really care. And there's a lot of guys that play college basketball right now that have no need to play college basketball because they're damn good enough to play in the league. So you you couldn't really see that case go there. Um, I think it would be good, too, because I think that, you know, it would be a lot more sense because if you look around the league now, even look at lottery picks last year, guys, um, from from last year's draft, obviously excluding Ben Simmons, a lot of those guys don't play for their teams right now. Uh, Brandon Ingram just, I mean, is just now getting the starting spot where he was playing minutes. Um, out, Sean, you mentioned Dario Saric, obviously, who really has finally come over, for, come over, and he's getting his chance to play. But I mean, how often do you hear? I mean, Jalen Brown's just now cracking minutes with the Celtics. Chris Dunn is buried in Minnesota, but Ricky Rubio is really having a really good st- stretch here. Which, by the way, we should talk about them in a minute because they're on fire yes. right now. Um, Absolutely. So I think that that would be good. You know. Draft a guy, draft a Chris Dunn. If you realize, you know, after the preseason he's not NBA ready yet, you put him in the D-League as he develops his game, and then you call him up when you think he's ready to be on your main roster. I think it's a, I think it's actually a good financial move, too, because I think a lot of fans would like to see some, you know, NBA-caliber talent in the D-League, not yeah. just the old, the old washed-up guys that are, you know, making twenty five grand a year, which is... A reason why people, I think, are still going to college instead of jumping straight to the D League, because if you, I mean, that's that's the top earners are making twenty five grand for the D League right now. So, um, you know, it's not really they could go over and play in China, you know, for more money and do that as opposed to the D League. So, I that's I just unless they they up salaries there, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of that. Um, especially with, you know, you know, some of these players are getting paid anyway. So in college, so, um, you know, I, I think, I think the D league's great. So I think, I think they, I think like you guys said, I think they need to, you know, start utilizing it a little bit more. It'd be great. The league as it will soon be known. (laughs) (laughs) So I know you wanted to hit on Minnesota. So let's talk about them real fast while we talk about things that are, playing well recently I, I do want to touch on vince carter's performance uh later on after this but with minnesota holy shit ricky rubio ricky rubio what a game, was, what a game he put together 10 assists in nine minutes that's absurd he's yeah he's um you know i'm not the biggest lover of rubio but i think you know obviously he's um really doing well good things there I, you know, I, we, we've here have been rooting for the Timberwolves to like really kind of get their step into being a potential great team. Uh, things are happening there, obviously. It's like they haven't really made a lot of bad moves either. I, I know that they're right now, they're 28 and 38. They're at the end of the Northwest. They're not catching anybody. Um, but, uh, well, they're, 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 they're just three and a half games out of the, uh, out of the eight yeah, seed right uh, now. So. Oh my God, they are. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they're, they're, they're getting... They could catch somebody, Tim. They could. They could. <laughs> they could. Now, yeah, it's very. I mean, they've they've in the last ten, they've gone seven and three. So they're they're working their way up, man. And they have the player that I would build my franchise around tomorrow if I could pick one. And Cat, obviously. So Cat Wiggins, you know, uh, Rubio has been really good there. Gorgie's been good. Lance Stevenson's been a really good player for them off the bench too. Since Levine got hurt, uh, right? They're saying they're doing this without Levine right now. Yeah. The, yeah. The Tibbs dust is an effect, gentlemen. Uh, this team might be able to. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to catch an eight spot. Um, Austin, New Orleans, too. You know, those guys are finally getting it together with Boogie and Brow learning to play together, and you're seeing that fun 
coming together. But I, it's it's nice to see that you know these young teams are really up and coming because I fully expected the Timberwolves could really have one of those mid. 2000 Kevin Garnett Sam Cassell runs again with the talent they have they can just keep adding additional players to kind of fit into their scheme I think that they're going to be okay in the near future they need a spree well they do need a spree well you're right so Sean how are you feeling about Minnesota I'm, I'm is the Tibbs dust in effect are you buying in yeah yeah I am I am uh they're starting to click you know it's funny that Levine goes down and they seem to get better. Do you think that may, he may have had something to do with, you know, spacing, or are they better without Levine? Uh, I mean, what what's, what do you think is going through Tibbs's head right now? I mean, Wiggins. do you think? Yeah, I know. I, lots I mean, and lots of Wiggins. Lots of Wiggins, <laughs> and and you know, this might be one of those kind of things where you know he, they look at Levine maybe as a piece to move later on in the future. I mean, they might want somebody who can defend a little bit better than Levine. That's not just. I mean, I love Zach Levine. Don't get me wrong. Sure. I I will always love Zach Levine. I, I love guys who dunk and shoot threes. That's my that's my shit. So, um, but <laughs> <That's great. laughs> always will be exactly exactly. Um, you know, I but I and it's interesting seeing Ricky Rubio have this strange end-of-the-season resurgence with uh, Chris Dunn really not doing what we kind of expected him to do this year. I think we, we kind of... I think everybody kind of had, like, really high hopes for Chris Dunn this year. And they were... They were a little, little too high. <laughs> Did he use my so, draft crush? Yeah, yeah I mean... Um, you know, and, and Rubio just feeding the ball to, to Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. I mean... It's fun right now. They're doing what they need to do. So it's going to be, uh, you know, it, I think next season is going to be a lot more interesting, barring, you know, injuries, of course. But I think next season um, it's, it'll be interesting to see what they do, especially if they if they don't make the playoffs and they get a draft pick this year. Um, you know, that that might be something to look at, too. But I, I think they make a move sometime this summer. I, I do, too. I, I definitely think Minnesota will be in play during free agency or at least during the draft too oh yeah jimmy butler huh. uh no nah, we don't no nah, no no he's not going there that would have happened last year i mean they're not going to even get it even if if the timberwolves you know miss out on the playoffs they're just barely going to miss out so they're not going to get a high draft pick you know unless you know for some reason they get the number one pick and i doubt that's going to happen so i you know i don't i don't see him going there all right so final topic before we round out this week's episode vince carter has shown strange flashes of youth (laughs) as if he has spent periodic portions of this of this season in a lazarus pit of sorts we the three of us are kind of at an age where we are like the tail end of the Jordan era of the NBA. Yeah. So prior to LeBron's arrival, we kind of had this weird five-year period where we were kind of like searching for Jordan in a way. And I want to talk about the cult following that is Vince Carter. Yeah, man. Um, You'll never hear me say a bad thing about Vince Sanity. So... um, I'm stoked for it. I like seeing him throw down dunks at 40. Let it make him look like he's 22. He had that uh, strange, like, 
360 uh, layup a few weeks ago where he was like bumped in the air and still put to put the ball in. And he keeps himself in, keeps himself in awesome shape, man. Like he does, he's just always been a hardworking guy. And I think that he just basically wants to play until he literally cannot anymore. Until the time day comes where he can't bend over to pick up a basketball, I still expect we'll see Vince Carter on the court. And I also thought this might have been his last year. Because if you remember, he was doing commentary during the Summer League games. And he was pretty good at it, too. Like, he was pretty impressed. A really good commentator. He obviously knows the game. But I think he's in a really good system. I think Fizdale has really allowed him to be a really good role player for that team. Um... I don't know if I'd go to say that he's the third best player on the team behind Conley and Gasol by any stretch of the matter, but I am excited to see the, stretch, the youth of insanity coming back here and there every so often. I mean, he hit his first eight shots yesterday, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty incredible. And then, Sean, how do you how do you explain in that gap of time, the like, like I said, the era where the, the searching for Jordan kind of kind of time. How how would you define NBA Live 2004 cover athlete Vince Carter in that period? Well, he was the he was the man. I mean, we were we, we were looking all different places for the next Jordan. Was it was it Vince Carter? Was it Antoine Jameson? I mean, there was I mean, two players on the same team with him and McGrady. And yeah. him and McGrady, exactly. So, I mean, you were looking for that. I I think, you know, there were a lot of guys that I looked at, you know, you know, I, I think it was pretty evident by that period that, you know, at the, you know, by 2004, 2005, that Kobe was going to be that kind of second Jordan guy. Sure. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, Vince was definitely one of those dudes who is, it's, he's part of a weird era of NBA history. Um and uh, but God, he's he's put up some stats and and some highlights, and he's just had a hell of a career. He's the man. Did you see that thing yeah. where he said, um, "In the primes, he beat Jordan a dunk contest." I don't think he's wrong, actually. I, I think a lot of people go back and forth. You know, I, I think that's the consensus now is Jordan or Vince Carter best dunker of all time, but. I've never felt that way. I've always felt like Dominique Wilkins was the best, and like because I've never seen anyone float through the air as effortlessly as Dominique Wilkins. <clears throat> I think he was just so smooth on on dunking the ball and everything. Now Vince Vince did the did the arm through the the rim, which was like you know huge at the time, and I get it. It's it's a you know a monumental dunk, but I, I don't know. I, I've always I've. I've always felt like Dominique was the best. Well, we all know who had won in a dunk contest between Vince Carter and Michael Jordan. Fred Jones. LeVar Ball. <laughs> LeVar Ball. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I cannot wait. He, he's the next Reggie Rose, man. He's oh, my God, next, he is. He's the next young player, older family member that just follows him around that I can't. I wish someone would just pay for him to shut up. It's like I said to you guys in text messages. Like, I guarantee at some point in Lonzo's NBA career, there will be a lawsuit from his dad saying he didn't pay him a certain amount of money. Yeah, he's that man's going to damage every relationship his son has in the NBA. Yeah, I saw this thing the other day though, where someone said they believe that Levar Ball is going to stop an NBA team from drafting Lonzo Ball, and that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, but it, that, that's going to happen, Tim. If if he does not get drafted to L.A., say someone, you know, we'll say the, uh, we'll go with the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns end up, you know, trying to draft him. 
he's not going to want to go there. I'm sorry, his dad is not going <laughs> to want him to go there. So, I mean, I, I think I think that's going to be something that players really talk about. Same thing with the Nets and the Magic. Well, the Nets don't have their pick this year, but the you know the the Magic or or the uh, even you know. Like the Knicks, I don't even think he'd probably want to go to the Knicks. I think they're just hell bent on him staying in LA, yeah, and and being that guy. And I get it, I get it. You know, I mean, what guy would not want to play for the Los Angeles Lakers coming out of UCLA? I totally understand. I don't think. It, uh, it, no, go, go ahead, Sean. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, because I was going to say, like, say the Celtics decide to take him. I honestly don't think the Celtics would take him because of, like, that Celtic culture and that, like, going-by-the-book mentality. And, you know, you never really heard about Larry Bird's dad being a distraction or Paul Pierce's dad or anything like that. So I think, like, if it came down to, let's say, the Celtics in the second pick and Ball's there, I don't think they'd take him. I, I, think, if I, I think if the Lakers won, if they, if they did not win the lottery, I literally think the Celtics would move on and go get Josh Jackson and really work out him and Jalen Brown. <laughs> Or do you draft him and hold him for ransom? You could draft him and use the trade rights. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I would do. I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, if someone else really wants him and and you have him, I mean, that's great. I mean, you might be able to get another draft pick and say, you know, a, a decent piece for him. You know, and I I don't know what the Celtics are going to do. I don't know what their game plan is because they have one of the best point guards in basketball right now. And most of the top picks are point guards this year, so I don't know who they draft. And you've said, you know, we've talked privately about them moving Isaiah to the two or Fultz to the two, and they're both undersized as twos. So I don't know what they do there at all. Like, ball 6'6", so I could see that working, you know. And actually, I I mean, but... You know, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. It's it's interesting to see. It, so the Celtics are literally going to be the most interesting team after the season ends this year they because are. of all their assets and like. What and they're the already hell? in a great position. And and they're and they're in the they are in the best spot right now. Period. Two two of the best draft picks, you know, in the next two years are going to go to the Celtics. It's incredible. And they're pro- I mean, they're either going to be in the market for Jimmy Butler, as we've discussed. Or they're going to be in the market for for Gordon Hayward to stir up that three spot. Like, that Celtics group, because honestly, if they win the lottery, Markel Fultz is a guy you can't pass on. You just can't. you got to find a way to make him work if you have to take him at one, even with Isaiah. Because he's just a guy that if he is sitting there, you have to get him. There's no getting around that. So so that's it. You just, you just pick him and that's it. You're just... Maybe you bring Isaiah back off the bench, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to work this time, huh? No. Yeah. What are you going to do, Tim? <laughs> yeah, I can think of like a person who'd probably be really against that. Yeah. It's probably Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> I mean, he he was that guy for like three years, and everybody knew he should have been starting because I had him in fantasy, and every time he played, he put up stupid numbers every time. So I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you do there. That's going to be an interesting uh, dilemma to have for them. A good one though. Yeah, you trade down for somebody who wants that pick, and you can pull talent from them. Maybe that's, the Bulls. Yeah, that's that's it. I mean, that's that's best case scenario for them. Mark or you up. draft a player and you hold him ransom. Ooh, 
I, I just, Again. I just think of a world of Markel Fultz being the point guard for the Chicago Bulls, and I just get immensely happy. He's not going there, Tim. <laughs> the trade will happen. The trade. It's he's not going there. Get it out of your mind. <laughs> we have our point guard of the future. His name is Cameron Payne. There's also five, they spent five draft picks on Doug McDermott and Taj Gibson to get Cameron Payne. So think how many players have been wasted to get him. He is our point guard of the future. There's no looking back. They've had like four point guards of the future since the Derrick Rose trade. I know. I know. It's. <laughs> Well, again, if this is your first time listening, this is the Corner 3 podcast posts every Friday on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Check back with us, corner3.net. If you have questions, you want to talk about stuff with us, if you're an NBA dork, email us if you don't have anyone else to talk to, because clearly we don't. And again, Tim, you are TimDaniel24 on Twitter. Sean is Sean P. Mackey. I am PressX to Alex. And until next week... Hail Hayward. Thanks for listening to the Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our brand new website at thecorner3.net.